0: Allergy infested spring day. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome to it. Oh, God. Uh, you're listening to Talk Crooked, the social justice and comedy podcast where two friends laugh, cry, and rage about an unspeakable subject.
1: While enjoying adult beverages, my name is Kay. I'm Carrie. And my adult beverage is a diet Dr. Pepper
0: coffee. <laughs> Half calf coffee. Nice to give me my second cup today mm-hmm. so it's like I've had one. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious well it's a beautiful day but I think it might turn gross
1: oh no really
0: I think it's supposed to rain again fuck our, our basement leaks it's fine oh that's great <laughs> I can't wait so, we can get that fixed. that's a project for this spring.
1: I kind of hope that it like cools down at um today because I was sweating like a sinner in church at work me yesterday, too. me too, and it was hot, yeah, and we even had our doors open, and I was burning up, so yeah,
0: I made the brilliant decision to wear a sweater yesterday, so oh, ick. It wasn't that thick of a sweater either though. Like it's a pretty thin it was a pretty thin sweater, but I guess on top of hormones and other heat and the fact that I was up and moving a whole bunch yesterday, yeah, and like doing stuff. Yeah, it wasn't I was I was sweating. And then last night I woke up sweating and came out and checked the thermostat and my beautiful wonderful husband had turned the heat on. Oh no. So I was like, "Oh, That's why I'm dying. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Yep. I need to find a new thermostat, too, that'll flip between heating and cooling, depending on what you set it to. Yeah. That would be amazing, so that it'll just maintain, and then we don't ever have to switch it. (laughs) Switch it back and forth. That'll never happen again. Yeah. (sighs) Lord above. Isn't adult life fun? Yeah. Yeah. No.
1: (laughs) It's not. I hate being adult. Adult life
0: is so goddamn weird. All right. (laughs) I feel like all I do is clean the kitchen. Yeah.
1: Like, that's my
0: whole existence is cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. That and sleep. Cleaning the kitchen and doing laundry. Mm Mm-hmm. And sweeping. We looked at Roombas the other day because our pets shed like no one's business. And it's just an everyday thing. Like, you, every two days, the floor is once again covered in, like, snow drifts of dog hair and cat hair. Yeah. And I'm just like, I want to do other things.
1: <laughs> uh, the people <laughs> that I house it for just got a Roomba, apparently. Uh, didn't know that. Didn't know that it speaks. Oh, no. Very loudly. It speaks? Oh, yeah. That's terrifying. Scared, I don't want one that speaks. Scared the shit out of me. I texted her because I heard something talking, and I was like, "Do you have a voice-activated thing or something?" Because, or like, a
0: Furby or a demon. Yeah, like I was talking <laughs> out loud to
1: the dogs because I do that all the time because I love dogs mm-hmm. and I talk to them. And yes. um, then something started speaking back, and it no. and it sounded like it said something along the lines of, "Go home, get help." and go home get help yeah so i like i froze and i texted the person i was house sitting for i was like what is speaking <laughs> do you have an alexa like
0: <laughs> what is telling me to go home and get help
1: yeah and and they were like no. oh i don't i don't know and i and then like i they said i don't know yeah and so I was just, I was looking around because I was like, I have to figure this out. Like, if there's somebody in here, I have to know. Right. And then I see their little fucking Roomba on the floor and it's all lit <laughs> up. And I'm like, you're the culprit. And so I turned, you. Yeah, I turned him off and I unplugged him.
0: <laughs> and then it has a backup battery. Surprise!
1: Oh, yeah. Yes.
0: It did. It kept did talking. It really? Yes. That's so funny. Plug me back in. Plug <laughs> me back in. Power source not found or whatever.
1: Yeah. It was bullshit.
0: Yeah, I think the good ones are like $500. Oh yeah. But I'm not going to lie to you, it would be worth it. I'm so sick of sweeping already and I've only lived here 2 months. <laughs> To be honest, I was sick of sweeping at our old house, too, because we had the same problem, but it's a lot bigger area to sweep when it's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be worth it. This house is twice as big as our old house, mm-hmm. so easily. So, yeah, it would definitely be worth it. Yeah. Ooh, all right. Well, what's going on with you? Besides your horrible
1: allergies. <laughs> uh, Nothing interesting. I'm just... <laughs> I've got school, and I've got work, and I'm exhausted. Yeah.
0: And uh, I'm exhausted, too. Yeah. My daughter did not sleep well yesterday, and then she finally fell asleep for, like, a solid four hours and woke up at midnight and missed her, like, oh. oatmeal time. Uh-huh. So she was in the bed with us, feeding off me all night. Oh, goodness. So it was a rough night. Poor thing. I am reanimating my corpse with caffeine today. <laughs> oh goodness! All right. Well, today we are talking about female female arsonists. arsonists.
1: I'm excited about this one.
0: Yeah, surprise, surprise. This is super rare.
1: So <laughs> I found one article. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard for me to find a person, but I did find it's one very that was hard. interesting.
0: I'm going to go ahead and say that it's either because it doesn't happen very often or women are smarter Mm -hmm. and know how to not get caught. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of those two things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's also a combination of that old old adage of women wouldn't do that. I think that still bleeds into things as well. So... I don't know, I think we've uh <laughs> mm-hmm. it's one of those things where the the criminal gap is probably closing as the sexes become more equal, and we'll see how that affects crime, which is really interesting, but um yeah, uh this will be interesting <laughs> and breathe <laughs> <laughs> so um I found the one article I found is from medpagetoday.com They made me sign up. <laughs> um it was free but still i'm now gonna have to unsubscribe to emails yeah um (laughs) it was like what is your area of interest and i was like none of this i just want to read this one article for my stupid podcast (laughs) Mm. it was like are you a medical professional and i was like of course not
1: (laughs) no i'm just (laughs) fascinated
0: No, I just like things. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Well, so this is called Female Arsonists Have Different Motivations and Diagnoses. This is a review compared, uh, and then the subtitle says, review compared them with male arsonists, non-arsonists, and non-arsonist female offenders. So this should be a little interesting. Okay. It was written by Joyce Frieden, and it was published October 26, 2018. So it's a little bit old, but this is literally all I could find. So (laughs) um, I highly doubt they're doing psychiatric studies right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. during COVID. But who knows? Maybe they are. I don't know anything. So this is, um, let's see. Uh, Female arsonists have a psychiatric profile that's distinct from both male arsonists and female non-arsonist offenders. And clinicians should work to develop appropriate coping strategies for them, researchers said here. Although studies have been done on arsonists who are men, of course, because that's the more popular one. yeah um, few have been done on those who are women.
1: I didn't realize Sam Berkowitz was an arsonist. who? Son of Sam that that's not his name. It's not. N- no I I was reading Berkowitz
0: is his last name, but his name is not Sam.
1: Oh, I... Then the article I was reading messed up. <laughs>
0: uh, I can't remember what it is. David? David. David.
1: David yeah. Berkowitz.
0: Um, no, his neighbor's name was Sam, I think. Maybe? I don't the, know. The dog... The the dog was telling him to... I don't know. Yeah. No, the, the dog's last name was... The dog's name was Sam? I can't remember. His case is so boring and stupid. <laughs> Well, apparently he's he started over a thousand fires. That doesn't surprise me. He's no. an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if he's a born-again Christian in prison. <laughs> he, all he has ever done has been for attention, and he can go fuck himself. Yeah. Don't talk about... <laughs> let's not talk about David Berkowitz. <laughs> And how cool he is, because he's not cool.
1: I'm not I didn't say he was cool. I just said I didn't know. No, he was I know. He just No, <laughs> I know. I
0: just that has popped no, that that's popped up in conversation before. We were talking mm-hmm. about serial killers, and someone in my family, innocently enough, was like, Oh, you know, David Berkowitz um is a Christian now, and I was like, Oh, good for him. <laughs> you also know he's Jewish, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, whatever. They're like, he's, like, preaching to people. I'm like, he doesn't need to preach to anyone. No. He doesn't need a platform. His whole psychosis is that he wants attention. Yeah. And he, like, hates women because they wouldn't sleep with him because he thought he was ugly. He's not that ugly. He's just a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Ugh. It's my rant on David Berkowitz. His case was fun and fascinating the first time you hear it. And then the more you hear it, you're just like, ugh, let's just...
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> anyway okay so um but no i didn't i didn't actually didn't realize that he had set fires i thought he was just a just a shooter that's yeah a new and interesting tidbit okay okay um so this Uh, so, all those studies have done arsonists, done studies on arsonists who are men, few have done those who are women. Alec Wang and colleagues of McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, said in a poster presentation at the annual meeting of the American Academic of Okay, only one review published in 2010 has been done on the subject. One review. Oh wow. That's it. So, women make up only a small percentage of, ar- of arsonists said Wang, um, a fourth-year medical student at McMaster University. Quote, it's hard to know the true number, but in most studies, the ratio of males to females is somewhere between 5 to 1 and 10 to 1, which is very tiny. Yeah. Um, To find out more about this particular population, the researchers conducted a systematic review of existing studies published from 2010 to 2018 using the medicine... using the Medline, Web of Science, and PsychInfo electronic databases. So um, for the search, the investigators used the words fire setting, pyromania, pyromaniac, and arson, as well as female, woman, women, gender, and sex in the title or keywords. Um, A total of seven studies were selected, including three retrospective studies and three case control studies and a national survey. So that's how many things. Let's see. Seven, eight, nine, ten... 11, 12, 13, 14. I wonder how many studies have been done of men. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say hundreds, (laughs)
1: thousands.
0: (laughs) And then we found 14 for women. Hmm? So this is going to be dry, and sorry about it. That's okay. Um, (laughs) The 2010 systematic review found that the studies showed several differences between men and women who commit arson. So women had a greater prevalence of sexual abuse in their past, Yeah, Um, and a higher prevalence of depression and psychosis just like general psychosis I guess Um, oops somebody's awake Mm -hmm. Um, let's see Um, as to reasons for arson female arsonists had a prevalence of attention seeking or quote cry for help motivations so that's very different so if you can remember back we've done an arson episode right? yeah Yeah, if you can remember back to our arson episode that we did, arson in men is much more drawn by anger. Yeah. And things like that. Um, And they, a lot of them get turned on by fire. Like it's a sexual thing for them. Yeah. Not so with women. It's very, very different. So, um, let's see. Uh, They weren't interested in seeing fire in seeing firefighting activities or displaying firefighting skills nor did they set fire to conceal crimes or for profit so those are all things that men do there was that one guy remember from california who set like thousands of fires and he was also like an arson reporter (laughs) Uh, yeah so he would like set these fires and then like be there at the scene of the crime
1: no he was like a firefighter (sighs)
0: Or something, and he was writing a, um, he, they found in his house that he was writing a novel about an arsonist who's a firefighter or something yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> they were like, oh, this is damning, sir. <laughs> <laughs> sir. Um, so, and of course we know that people a lot of times will burn things to conceal crimes. They'll murder someone, burn down the whole house, hope that it conceals the fact that the person was murdered doesn't usually happen no doesn't usually isn't usually effective um you can't get a fire hot enough generally especially not to burn a body yeah uh, fully um that takes you know that special kiln that what morticians have or whatever Mm -hmm. it takes like a million degree i don't know it's not a million degrees but it's it's hotter than a house fire (laughs) um (laughs) So the seven studies in the review from Wang's group found a higher prevalence of depression, substance misuse, bipolar disorder, drug and alcohol dependence, and various personality disorders among female arsonists compared to males. So it sounds like it's a lot more varied of a group. Yeah. Um, one study also found a higher incidence of certain antisocial behaviors, such as cutting class, reckless driving, using weapons, animal abuse, ugh, and shoplifting, while another found a higher incidence of childhood maltreatment, setting fires at home, running away, and gang involvement.
1: Fantastic. So that all sounds it's great. It's very
0: diverse. <laughs> it's diverse, to say the least. Um Some of those same characteristics, including alcohol and drug dependence and bipolar disorder, also distinguished female arsonists from non-arsonist female offenders. Um, So here's a quote. Uh, Female arsonists are a unique patient population, distinct from both male arsonists and non-arsonist female offenders, the researchers concluded. Although there has been some evolution in understanding this population, quote, risk management strategies that fit female arsonist profiles need to be implemented to help them better develop coping strategies and to avoid dramatic outcomes for them and community members. So it's something that definitely needs more study. Yeah. Is what they're saying so that they can come up with an actual profile. Um, because there's a lot of things, because of the high prevalence of serial killers and things like that, we have lots of categories, we have lots of different profiles and lots of programs in place to identify people who are at risk for that behavior very early on, or to identify their motivations and things from their crimes. Like, we have all of that implemented and all of that infrastructure set up in the FBI and in police police offices and all of that kinds of stuff we don't so much have that for this particular category so that's what they the research is saying that um we need to research it more basically <laughs> <laughs> um so the most important thing is to recognize how little we know about this group um but there are differences and but there are differences and we need to study them more so that we can better treat female arsonists yeah which is basically what i just said <laughs> um So the problem is that this is a clinical population. So by definition, these are people who have already come into psychiatry. Mm -hmm. And they are not representative of a normal population, said Herman, who was not involved in the study. But the other issue is that when you look at people who have had a lot of the same issues with psychopathy, psychopathology, most are not arsonists, he explained, noting that the factors identified are not Uh, predictive of this behavior you may have girls who have been abused or sexually abused or arrested for juvenile delinquency but most don't go on to become fire setters so it just makes the population that does do that even smaller yeah and therefore harder to study because this just doesn't happen that often with women
1: yeah which is fascinating it is
0: I would love to know why. (laughs) I wish I could find more information because this is fascinating. But I don't have a psychology degree, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Neither. Well, that's my whole segment. Oh wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's my whole
0: segment. (laughs) Good job. Yeah. (laughs) That was a hard one. That's all I could find. It was. It was very hard. (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break. Okay.
1: All right. So we're back. Hello! Hi! So, my segment is pretty short, too, um, because I had a really hard time finding a female arsonist. Um.
0: (laughs) Because they practically almost don't exist. (laughs) Yeah!
1: (laughs) But I thought this was really funny. Um. Okay. This is from DangerousWomanProject.org. Okay. Um, The... The link says The Reluctant Suffragette, but the title of the article is The Elusive Suffragette. Okay. And Interesting. Yeah. So this was published the 14th of December... Oh, stop that. Uh, the 14th of December, <laughs> 2016. And I found this from, like, a BBC article. Uh, so this is some history. Um, Yay. Yeah. So... Whenever I see an empty house, I burn it. Lillian Linton quoted in Votes for Women, the Virago Book of Suffragettes, edited by Joyce Marlowe. Lillian Linton was training to be a dancer when she went to a meeting addressed by a suffragette leader, Miss Pankhurst. She later said that I made up my mind that night that as soon as I was 21 and my own boss, I would volunteer. She went on to become one of the suffragette movement's most prolific and daring arsonists. Uh, so this is happening in the early 1900s when women still don't have the right to vote. Um, and that's why she is setting fires. So.
0: Makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would have too.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Less than two months after her 21st birthday, Lillian took part in the mass window-smashing raid in the West End and Westminster on uh, March 1st, 1912. From in front, behind, from every side it came, a hammering, crashing, splintering sound unheard in the annals of shopping. At the windows excited crowds collected, shouting, gesticulating? (laughs)
0: Gesticulating? Yeah. Making gestures. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I can't say that fucking word. It's okay. Uh, at the center of each crowd stood a woman, pale, calm, and silent. And um, that's from Votes for Women, Marching <laughs> Right? I love it. Where's this movie? <laughs> I know, right? I want a movie. I want to see this. Um, Lillian was among more than 150 women that were arrested during the raid. She was jailed for two months under the name Ida Inkley one of several aliases she adopted during her militant career. She served her time in Holloway Prison in a wing entirely populated by suffragette prisoners. Following her release, she was involved in firing pillar boxes, a tactic developed by Emily Wilding Davison in December 1911, but she had bigger plans in mind. (sighs) I was at the suffragette... Sorry. Sorry. I was at the suffragette headquarters and announced that I didn't want to break any more windows, but I did want to burn some buildings. And I was... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny.
0: Right. Sorry. (laughs) I don't want to break windows. I want to fucking burn the buildings down.
1: Right. You got to do both. So it'll... Yeah. So it'll... There'll be... Burn it to the ground. Yes. (laughs)
0: Oh my goodness. I love it.
1: Um, and I was told that a girl named Olive Walleye had just been saying the same thing. So we, we two (gasps) met and the. Olive? Yeah. And the. Oh goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And the real serious fires in this country started. It seems like. I love the name Olive. Right. It's one of my favorite names. Um,. It seems likely that this was actually Olive Wary, who also became a well-known suffragette arsonist, rather than the unknown Olive Whaley. Um, I didn't know that there were suffragette arsonists, so this was fascinating to me.
0: Oh yeah, they did a lot of stuff. <laughs> I know that they were smashing bars. A lot of people were going, but a lot of, not everyone was on board with them. Yeah. I think that was, actually, I may have misspoke. That may have been more prohibition.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was more the prohibition, people. Um, The movement's leadership encouraged this escalation of militancy. The strategy was to attack the, quote-unquote, secret idol of property, in the hope that the insurance companies would... This...
0: Oh, okay. Secret idol of property? Yeah. (laughs) Ooh. That's a... That's that's a, b- a way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> In the hope that the insurance companies would bring pressure on the government to give women the vote. Over the okay. next two years, suffragists set alight hundreds of buildings across the country, often choosing high-profile targets such as mansions, railway stations, castles, and even churches. Only empty buildings Ooh. were... Ta- were attacked to make sure that there was no loss of life.
0: Oh that's good. Okay. Yeah. At least there's that.
1: (laughs) Uh Lillian's first arrest for arson came in february nineteen thirteen. At around three AM on february twentieth, nineteen thirteen, Lillian and Olive Wary set fire to the Tea Pavilion in the Kew Gardens, having scaled what the police considered to be an unclimbable fence. The fire brigade fought the flames for two hours, but the building and its contents were destroyed. Lillian and Olive left behind four cards signed two voteless women, which made it clear that this was nice right. That this was I'm on their side. Sorry, (laughs) this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and like they're not killing anybody. They're just No, they're not statement. Um
0: Nobody's kitties were 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 caught in the fire. Yeah. Nobody you know what I mean? Like it ugh. This is the clean way to make a statement right here. It's not nonviolent protesting, but it is making a statement. (laughs)
1: Uh, Which made it clear that this was a politically motivated action. One said, remember, no property will be safe until women are enfranchised. You will have to give in, so be sensible and do so at once. Another said, you can put out a fire, but you cannot put out the militant spirit of women.
0: Oh, I love it fire is catching.
1: Yes. <laughs> um Lillian and Olive were discovered before they could make good their escape. They were pursued Aww. by the police across the Richmond Cricket Ground before being captured and arrested. They gave their names as Lillian Linton and Joyce Locke. As they fled, they had each been seen to throw away a bag. One of the bags contained a hammer, a saw, a bundle of toe strongly redolent of paraffin and some paper-smelling strongly of tar. Mm. Later that day, Lillian and Olive were charged at Richmond Police Court and remanded for a week. On bail being refused, one of them threw a book and some papers from the clerk's table at the chairman of the bench. (laughs) (laughs) They were taken from the court to Holloway Prison where Lillian's conduct was recorded in the prison's daily record as bad. Very defiant. Bad.
0: <laughs> How dare this woman be defiant.
1: <laughs> she smashed everything in the cell she was uh, She was first placed in and was removed to a special strong cell. She was kept wow. apart from other prisoners, not allowed to communicate, and all privileges were suspended.
0: Ugh. Solitary.
1: Yeah. Yuck. Um, oh, it gets worse. Oh my god, okay. Uh, Lillian went on hunger strike. On uh, February 23rd, 1913, the prison authorities decided to forcibly feed her. She was tied into a chair and held down by up to seven prison wardens. Two doctors were in attendance and fed a tube up her nostril and down her throat. The pipe should have been pushed down her esophagus towards her stomach, but instead entered her airway. No! Yep.
0: No! Um.
1: Although Lillian was violently choking, the doctors poured the liquid food down the tube. It- oh, fuck them! Yeah. It entered her left lung. Lillian collapsed in agony. Fearing oh, she no! would die in prison, the authorities contacted the Home Secretary, Reginald McKenna, who authorized her release. Lillian was carried from prison on a chair and taken by taxi to a friend's house where she was treated by suffragette sympathizer Charles Mansell Mollen for septic pneumonia and pleur- pleurisy? Yeah, that's... Pleurisy? Pleurisy, yeah, that's not good.
0: That's lungs. Yeah, yeah, lung stuff. Ugh! Yeah. Oh, great. Don't want her to die on prison property, so we'll release you, and you can go die somewhere else yeah. from our negligence. Oh, I hate... The prison system in this country. It's never gonna it's never been better. I mean, like it's never been improved. Yeah. <laughs> it's still as bad as it's always been. Ugh.
1: I'm starting to think this is actually happening in England.
0: Oh, it might be. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh so it's not great there either.
0: No. <laughs> I mean they are our parents, yeah. so <laughs>
1: Uh, Lillian was too ill to attend her next court hearing on February 19th, uh, on February 27th, 1913. She then disappeared from London. Yeah. It, this is happening yeah. in London.
0: That's your... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did you skim this article? Be yeah, real. Yeah,
1: I just, I skimmed it. I saw it and I wanted to react to it with you. <laughs>
0: uh, that's funny. Oh, this isn't in America. <laughs>
1: Um, she then disappeared from London and went on the run from the police, traveling the country, setting fire to buildings and burning votes for women and to golf greens and cricket pitches. Love it. Me too.
0: That's awesome. On
1: June 9th, 1913, she gave herself up at Doncaster Court during the trial of Harry Johnson and Augusta Winship for burglary and... Entering Westfield House, Doncaster, and being suspected persons thereon for the purpose of committing a felony. Ooh. Lillian stood up in court and gave evidence to the effect that she, not Augusta, was the person who had entered Westfield House with the intention of setting it on fire. Augusta winship was then discharged, and Lillian, under the alias May Dennis, was arrested and placed on the dock.
0: Alias Alias. Alias? (laughs) It's okay. Elias is a name. Yeah. But alias is the term for a fake name. (laughs) Yeah. There was a whole show called Alias.
1: Uh, yeah, I messed up. Sorry. (laughs)
0: It's okay. (laughs) Um,
1: she pleaded. I saw a teachable moment. (laughs) She pleaded neither guilty nor not guilty as she refused to recognize the court.
0: Oh, alright. Damn, that's a move. It's pretty baller.
1: Yeah, I mean, they won't recognize her right to vote, so.
0: Fair. I'm not a real citizen, so this court can go fuck itself.
1: (laughs) On June 10th, she was committed for trial at Leeds. uh, At Leeds. Uh, When she removed to the cell, she told the police that she would go on hunger strike, be released, abscond, and carry on arson until the government was brought to its knees.
0: She's a really smart thing.
1: Yeah. She said her aim was to burn two buildings a week in order to create such a condition in the country that it would prove impossible to govern without the consent of the governed.
0: I love it. Me too. Get it! (laughs) She's my hero.
1: Lillian violently resisted fingerprinting on admission to the Armley Jail. She went on a hunger strike and was released on license on uh, June 17, 1913 to the house of a suffragette sympathizer in Westfield Terrace, Leeds. So. so she
0: like saw a gap or she was like exploiting this like loophole kind of of like oh well they don't want me to die in prison. Yeah. So I'll stop eating and get myself released. Yep. Because they don't want me like martyred in prison. So she's like exploiting this whole this whole system. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so smart. <laughs>
1: Although the police were watching the house, she managed to escape them by switching places with another suffragette who had come to the house in a van, dressed as a delivery boy. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, this is awesome! (laughs) I want this movie! I
1: know, me too. Uh, Lillian went on the run again, initially in Harrogate, then in Scarborough and Dundee. The police uh, suspected that she was involved in burning down Balacan... Felican Rain Castle in Sterling and Lucars <laughs> Junction Station on June tw- June 30th, 1913.
0: Get your shit together, England. I know. Wow.
1: The chief constable of Leeds Police wrote to the home secretary suggesting that a photograph of Lillian be circulated to all police forces. The criminal record office issued a wanted photo of her. She was described as five feet too tall with brown hair and brown eyes.
0: So that's everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um So she escaped to France for a little bit and then returned to Britain and continued setting fire to buildings. Um <laughs> i'm back bitches she was nearly caught by the police in cardiff but escaped dressed as an infirm old lady and got on a train to london
0: oh my god she's a master of disguise too this lady's a badass
1: she really is uh and then she went on another fucking hunger and thirst strike after she was rearrested um love it (laughs) and she was released on christmas day to a house in king's norton Again, she escaped from under the noses of the watching police. Wow. Uh, in March 1914, she made a flying visit to Doncaster of WSPU, dressed as a dapper young man, complete with a mustache, cane, and Humberg hat.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, Lillian remained free until the outbreak of war in August 1914, brought a suspension of militant activity. She served with the Scottish Women's Hospitals Unit in Serbia during the war. She was not eligible, eligible to vote when women were first granted limited voting rights in 1918, as she did not meet the age and property requirements.
0: Yeah, they talk about that on Downton. You have to be at least 30 and you had to be a property owner. Yeah,
1: which is but bullshit. But the
0: thing around that is that women couldn't own property before, so... Yes. So you can't... So no one can vote. (laughs) Yeah. In
1: 1970, as treasurer of the Suffragette Fellowship, Lillian unveiled a memorial in Christchurch Gardens, Westminster, dedicated to all the women who had fought to get the vote. She died in 1972 at the age of 81. What? Woot! Yeah. So she was a badass.
0: I love it.
1: And she didn't do it to hurt people. She did it to make statements and she to make always political made, statements yeah, yeah she always made sure that the buildings were empty before she set fire to them which was good
0: yeah so it was coming from a place of rage but not a psychotic place of rage it was politically motivated so see it's so different
1: yeah exactly wow
0: that was great oh
1: thank you I figured you would enjoy that one
0: <laughs> I love that Well, let's just keep adding to our, like, album of amazing ladies that we want to vote for for president. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. So, let's play a game.
1: Okay. It's my turn. Um, Okay. So, if you had to, would you uh, only get aroused by (laughs) predator versus prey chases on Animal Planet? Or...
0: Or Always make the wrong decision. I'm going to pick yours. Yeah, I pick mine. (laughs) Because I'm fine with that. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Well, this was a much shorter episode. Sorry about that, guys. But this was a very highly specific and very, very rare
1: topic. And we're both (laughs) exhausted. Sorry. (laughs) That's fair, too.
0: Yeah. It's been a lot. We have a lot going on. That's going to let up soon, at least for you. Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right well thank you guys so much for listening um we hope you guys are all staying safe enjoy the beautiful weather wherever you are um and remember
1: you are not a monster
0: bye guys guys. thank you for listening to talk crooked music is by Gizla Niebach.